cannabis in our community, you're welcome to do that. Somebody say amen. Amen. God's good, isn't he? Let's worship him one more time. Lord, thank you for your word, your presence in this place today. God, I pray you would have your way. Lord, I thank you for what you've said to me. Now, Lord, anoint the lips of your preacher today to speak your word to your people in Jesus' name. I want to read from Ruth chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. Ruth, very small book, in the Old Testament. Uh, when I get finished today, you'll see there's really, uh, really only one purpose for the book of Ruth here sandwiched in such a dark time in Israel's history, the time of the judges. And we hear about the judges of Israel, Samson and Jephthah, and those that judged Israel. But here in the time of the judges, in that dark period when there was no prophet, uh, we find the story uh, of this Bible text. And it's a book that bears the name of its main character, Ruth. Ruth. And in this passage, we find at the end of the book really why the book's even there. It's really a love story in a dark, dreary time in Israel's history. And in Ruth chapter 2, verse 4, it says, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servants that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And we know he's talking about Ruth. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little while. She rested a little while in the house. Verse 8, Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Glean not, or go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. I want to preach today with the help of the Spirit. Glean in no other field. Glean in no other field. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm glad you're sitting by me today. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. The book of Ruth, just a small four-chapter book. Beautiful story. I've preached out of it a number of times. Uh, and the story is a wonderful story of a relationship of a number of people and the story begins in the book of Ruth as I'll uh, just kind of hit the highlights of the book for a moment. The story begins with a famine in Bethlehem, Judah. Bethlehem of Judah, the house of bread and the house of praise, there was a famine. Those times come in the house of bread for all of us. There are times where we go through times of famine where we are sitting in the house of God, we go to the house of God, and yet we pray and worship and experience the same thing everyone else experiences, but it seems like we're not getting what we need. 
plan of God. God's purpose is going to go forward. We're not going to stop God's plan from going forward, no matter what decisions we make or choices we make. And during a time of famine, a certain man makes a certain decision. It's a tragic decision. It looks like at first. But then, as the writer of Romans tells us that God knows how to work all things, <laughs> he knows how to work it out. Can I get an amen? Amen. How many's made a bonehead decision in a time of famine? Yeah, amen. And the Bible says this certain man that made this certain decision, his name was Elimelech. He was married to a wife named Naomi. They had two sons, Malon and Tilion, and they moved to Moab. They made a decision to leave the house of bread and go to Moab where they serve strange gods and have strange customs. When you study the lineage of the Moabites, you understand their, their uh, tragic beginnings. Uh, an incestuous relationship gives birth to Moab. And so these Moabite people were very strange people, very violent people. And the people of God decide because of a famine in the house of bread, they will go and, and try to ride out this difficult time with the Moabites. And the Bible tells us that after they move, we don't know how long it took, but Elimelech dies to never return to the house of bread. I could stop here and say choices do have consequences. That's right. And the Bible tells us that Elimelech never gets back to the house of bread. Naomi continues to live in Moab and she has two sons. And the Bible tells us after their father dies, they find wives, Orpah and Ruth. And the scripture says they live in Moab for 10 years after they get married. Now I'm not sure what happened. I'm not sure how it transpires. It's not important to the story because the Bible doesn't tell us how the two boys died, but the Bible tells us the two sons die in Moab also, just as their father did, never to return to the house of bread. So now Naomi has two daughter-in-laws, and she's left, the Bible says, of her husband and her two sons, and she hears news one day that God has visited Bethlehem, Judah, that God has revived, that God has sent his blessing, that God has poured out the rain, that God has abundantly blessed his people. I want to say to you folks today, God's people are the greatest blessing in the world that there is. <laughs> it doesn't matter who's in the White House or who's in the halls of Congress, the greatest blessing on this earth is the seed that God has planted here, and that's the sons of God. <laughs> That's the people in this church right here. You, I want you to know why Salem is a blessed city is because there's some blessed people in this community. There's some prayer warriors in this community. There's some worshipers of the living God in this community. Somebody give the Lord a hand of praise if you're thankful for the church. And I want to tell you, the Lord is going to bless his people. There may be times of famine. There may be times where there's difficulties. But I want to tell you, God has not forgotten his promises. <laughs> and God visits his people. And the Bible says that Naomi informs her daughter and daughters-in-law that 
she's going to return to her home and she says, I have no sons and I'm releasing you now of your responsibility to stay with me and wait for more sons. You see, there was a law that uh, a, a husband that died with no heirs, then the daughter-in-laws would wait for a family member to marry them so that they could give seed to that man that died. It's strange. But this was kind of the way it was. And the Bible tells us that Naomi releases Orpah and Ruth. She says, you don't have to stay with me. I'm too old. I'm not going to have any more sons. You don't need to wait for them. You just go on and live your lives. And the Bible says they all begin to weep. The Bible says they all begin to hug and kiss and say their farewells. And when you read the story carefully, it says that, that Naomi says to these daughter-in-law, she says... Listen, I'm going back to the house of bread. It's not bitter with you. It's bitter with me. Things haven't turned out like I thought they should. I've lost some things I didn't think I'd have to lose. But I'm still going back to the house of God. I don't understand what's going on. I don't know why I've been through what I've been through. But I'm going back to the house of worship. The Bible tells us that Orpah and Ruth are weeping and hugging and they're getting ready to say their goodbyes. But all of a sudden something changes the mind of Ruth. Something lands in this little Moabitess widow and she begins to, to think about this departure and Naomi kisses them and when Naomi says it's been bitter with me God it's not done what I thought he should do for me but I but I'm going back to the house of God anyway the Bible says Orpah gives her a kiss and walks off into history we never hear from her ever again we never read her name in the Bible ever again but Ruth when she hears this woman say it hasn't turned out like I thought it should but I'm going to the house of God anyway I want to tell you right now I don't know what you came in here with today but you're surrounded by a bunch of people that their lives hadn't been perfect and everything hasn't come up rosy but they're still in the house of God they're still raising their come on I saw young people up here dancing that are still going through the battles, that are still going to fight the good fight. I want to tell you, this is not a place for perfect people. It's a place for redeemed people. And Naomi said, I'm going back to church. That's where I'm going. Come on, anybody glad to be in the house of God today? Ruth. Ruth hears, Ruth knows what kind of tragedy Naomi's been through. She knows the sorrow of Naomi's heart. And she hears this woman say, I'm going back to serve my God. The Bible says, Ruth, Orpah walks off. We don't know what transpired in her life, but the story of the book that bears her name continues even to this very day, the decision she made at this point, the to choice she made at this moment, not, yeah, yeah, maybe the choice to marry one of the sons was a part of it, yes, but all the choices lead her to this moment, and the choice she makes right now.
affects us to this day. See, the little book of Ruth, four chapters, is really a story about a poverty-stricken widow from Moab who became a princess in Israel and an ancestress of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. It has an air of a fairy tale storied romance about it. Everything began for her that day standing in the fields of Moab when she made the momentous decision to follow her mother-in-law back to Bethlehem. Everything turned that day. And in Ruth 1.16, Ruth said, look at it, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God is going to be my God. I've got to take this exit for a moment. I've got to rise to this pulpit to tell the saints of God. It doesn't matter if you're going through a lung transplant. It doesn't matter if you're going through a job transfer. It doesn't matter if you're going through burying a loved one. There's something to be said for being faithful to the house of God. Somebody's watching. Somebody's watching. They see you come in with your face all turned down and they know you've had a bad day. But the kingdom of God needs some people that'll say, I know it hadn't been good. I know I'm not feeling well. I know it hadn't turned out like I thought it should. But I'm going to the house of worship and I'm going to praise the Lord anyway. Come on, do I have any of those kind of saints in here today? Ruth said, I want to tell you what, (laughs) you've lost your husband, you've lost your boys, you have nothing left. I'll tell you what, Orpah can go where she wants, but I'm not leaving you. I want to tell you there's some roots in this community that need to see some godly people who know God say, you know what, come what may. I'm going to go through the storms. I'm going to, I'm going to stand the test of adversity because there are people that want to go with those kind of people. There are people that want to live where you live. Verse 17, where you die, that's where I'm dying. And where they bury you, that's where they're burying me. The Lord do so to me and more also if I, ought, if I let anything but death part me and you. The natural thing was to go back to her own people as her sister-in-law had done. Back to her ancient gods. Back to where she was always at home back to where she surely would find another husband and a future. She is making a choice for the unknown. Naomi expected Ruth to return home, confessing that she had nothing to offer her. But Ruth chose otherwise. (laughs) It meant going to Bethlehem. Listen, it meant going to Bethlehem with nothing. 
no prospect but to share in Naomi's uh, poverty. No, no home, no security. I don't even know what's going to happen when I get there. I don't know. Did you come to church that way sometime? Yeah, I've come, there, there, there was a day when you walked in the house of God and you said, you know what? I've had my feel of this world. I don't know what else there is to do. I'm coming to the house of God and I've got nothing left. <laughs> I don't know about the rest of you, but that's the way all of us came to Bethlehem. We came here with nothing, expecting nothing, with no prospect of anything. But look what the Lord has done for his people. God's been good to you. God's been good to me. Yeah. Thank God for the people. They've had, had it rough, and, and they say to their pastor, Pastor, you know, you just say, hold on, and, and I'm, I'm holding on. I don't know how much longer I can hold on. Thank God for the people that just keep holding on. Somebody's watching. Some of these young people are taking a glance around when you worship, and they're saying in their spirit, where that man's going, I'm going. Where he lives, that's where I'm going to live. What, that, what he believes in, that's where what I'm going to believe. His God is going to be my. Yeah. See, Orpahs are going to leave and say, well, that's not for me, and you'll never hear from them again. But thank God for some saints that'll say, no matter what happens, I'm going to go to Bethlehem. I'm going to the house of worship. Oh, let's love the Lord right now. If you're thankful for the church of the living God. Ruth said, I'm going to live with a bunch of strange people. They got a bunch of strange ways and customs I don't even understand. And as we read her declaration, we find her decision was made in three distinct choices. Look at it. She says, first of all, Naomi, I'm not leaving you because I love you and I'm going to be loyal to you. That's what she says. She says, your people will be my people. I love you. That's what she's saying. Then she says, your God will be my God. (laughs) She said, you're the kind of people that I don't know what it is about you and what it is about your God. I don't even know your God really, but you're the kind of people that are the kind of people that whatever God you serve, (laughs) oh, that's the God I'm going to serve. Maybe that last choice was not the last choice at all. Maybe she had been around Naomi. The Bible said she'd been with her at least 10 years. Maybe she had come to know Naomi intimately. And maybe in that process she had heard about Jehovah and how he had been so good to his people and how he had brought them out of Egypt and how he had opened the Red Sea and had given them a land that flowed with milk and honey. Maybe she heard about this great God and she fi- it finally is the catalyst for a decision. She hears that Naomi's God is not the God of perfect people. He's a God that loves the sinner. He's a God that's full of grace. (laughs) 
See, she's examined Naomi. She knows her, her, her husbands weren't perfect. She knows Naomi's not perfect. But she knows they've got a God. <laughs> yeah, see, this is what she finally gets to. She lets us know, I, I love my mother-in-law and I have grown to love her people. I don't know how she did all that, but then she gets to the bottom of it. She said, I've looked at them so long that I choose to serve the God that they serve. That's, she said, their God is going to be my God. <laughs> if there's a people whose God is Jehovah and who live under his blessings of grace, those people are happy people. And they live in such a way that those people are going to be my people. <laughs> oh, for the Moabitish people that stumble in these doors, their heads are weary, their souls are torn, their backs are bruised, their hearts are shattered, but when they come in, they find people that are full of joy and happy, not because they've been perfect, no, but because they know a God that is full of grace. That may cause somebody to say, I don't know who your God is, but I want to be a part of what's going on with your God. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. I want you to notice that when she arrives in Bethlehem and found the only way to get enough food to live was to be what they call a gleaner. Look at the choice she makes. She says, I've examined your life and you've had bitter times, but you're going back to serve this God. If he's that much to you, then he's going to be that much to me. And when she gets back, she finds this strange custom that when the harvesters and reapers are in the field, we heard about it a few weeks ago, the reapers were commanded to leave a little in the corners for the gleaners, the gleaners. Now a reaper was a, there's a world of difference between a reaper and a gleaner. A reaper is a recognized worker who is getting paid. He's a farm laborer. A gleaner, no, no status, no wages, no insurance, no protection, just one of the poor, that they're allowed to pick up stray bits of grain left by the paid workers. And the Bible tells us that Ruth became a gleaner. What a woman. <laughs> she was content to be a gleaner. I know that didn't land on you like it land on me. It's pretty obvious unless you're just sitting on that hallelujah and you're keeping it down. Because <laughs> when, when I read this story and she was happy being a gleaner, I thought, you know, that's kind of the way I feel sometimes in church. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just glad to be here. I'm just a sinner saved by the grace of God. See, now it's hitting you. 
she came to Bethlehem and she said, you know what? It's better to be a gleaner among such people as this with such a God that they have than to be a well-paid worker anywhere else. I'd rather be poor in Bethlehem than rich in Moab. Do I have any witnesses here today? I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. I'm glad to be in the church of the living God. Come on, anybody remember where you were when Jesus found you? Anybody glad for what he's done in your life? She was okay with it. I'm with happy people. I'm with people who are blessed. I don't know their God. I don't know their customs. But I kind of feel good hanging out with them. Come on, I'm talking to somebody today. I'm just glad to be with such people. I'm not of such people. I'm not even close to such people. But I'm just glad to be here. Maybe something to rub off on me. Maybe... Maybe if they get blessed, I'll get blessed a little bit. I'm just glad to be a gleaner. Could be worse. I could still be in Moab serving those strange, violent gods. I'm just glad to be with such happy people. I don't know about you, but I was glad when they said unto me, let's, let's go to the house of God. This is where my people are. I can't find them in the bar. No, no. I can't find them in the drug corner at the cannabis dispensary. No. I find them in the house of God. It's okay for them to be in their right mind. They don't have any troubles they're trying to drown. They have cast their cares on the Lord. These are the kind of people. Uh oh. Woo! I'd rather be gleaning in this house than be a full-paid worker in Moab, yeah. I'd rather be sitting on a church pew today than be stoned out of my mind trying to forget what happened last night. Come on, let's take a praise break for a minute. Anybody glad you're in the house of God today? Come on, Ruth. God's been good to you. Glory. Come on. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Glory. So let me get to the point. I've just kind of given you an overview of what happened here in the book of Ruth, but there are deeper things here for all of us to understand. We come across people in whom we we find incarnated. It's it's a part of them, as we heard today, the very blessings of God that we need. They have peace. They have a radiance. They have a faith that is not shaken in the most violent storms. It causes the Ruth in us to say, where you're going, I'm going. Thank God for a preacher of the gospel 
Thank God for some good parents. Thank God for some good family members and some good men in a church and good ladies in a church that'll stand the test of adversity and give all of us Ruths the boldness to say, I don't know where I'm going, but where you go, that's where I'm going. I don't know who you worship, but the God you worship is, oh, yep, that's where I'm going. Yeah, I found that kind of people. And when we get closer to them, listen, listen real close. We found the people that have peace. And when we say to them, what is it about you that you just have this joy and this peace? I know what, all the Naomi's start thinking, man, I must be a good hypocrite. Not the strangers, not the Moabites, not those that God's calling out of Moab, but all the Naomiites, all those that's been in Bethlehem and know about this God and have eaten from his table. They come in saying, man, how can you be so happy? And you, you start to say, oh, if I could tell you all I've been through, if I could tell you what I'm crying over right now, you think, boy, I must really be putting on a show because they think I'm happy and I cried myself to sleep last night. <laughs> you need to hear me because Ruth, when she said, the reason I'm not leaving is because you are worth following. Naomi, where you go, I'm going. Did you hear me? When we get closer to those people, we begin to hear them share their experiences. Naomi said, oh, it's been a bitter road for me. <laughs> Naomi says, girls, leave and go back to Moab because I've had a bitter road. Oh, oh, wait, wait, but you're the happiest bitter person I've ever met. <laughs> No, you're not hearing me. But you're the most peaceful, broken-hearted person I've ever found in my life. She begins to hear Naomi talk about how terrible it's been. And you know what? The realization comes. These are not perfect people. No, they've got problems just like the rest of us. They're not happy because of the absence of difficulty. No. They know a God who makes the difference. Uh oh, anybody hearing what I'm saying? No wonder Ruth said, no, I'm not leaving you. Yeah, you've had a bad road, but you're still the happiest broken-hearted person I've ever met. Listen, I wanna tell you it's all right. It's all right to say, God, I don't know why you hadn't answered this prayer and still come to church and have a little joy. It's all right to have to go visit your family member after church in the hospital and still have a little radiance and a little peace. I know it's hard, but you know the God that I serve. So we find them. They're not, they're not perfect people, but you know what? Their joy and their peace seems to come from one place. 
the foot of the cross. <laughs> it seems as if this is the place from whence they derive all their joy and their liberty and their peace. Yes, men's days are few and full of trouble, but their joys go deeper than what's happening in their life and what kind of house they live in. And we assume at first that their God was the God of all the good people. But now we find out that their God is not the God of all the good people. Their God is the God of the doubters, the sinners, the ones that keep messing up and standing back up. Their God is not the God of perfect people. Their God is the God of real people. And that God is going to be my God. I, I need... <laughs> Naomi, uh, excuse me, all the gods of the Moabites, <laughs> there are certain things I need to do to attain their blessing. Naomi, your God seems to be a God <laughs> that blesses you in spite of your track record. And she says, you know what? I see her out in the field. I know everybody else will say, man, it'd be terrible to be a gleaner. Man, you just, you know, people could cuss you, tell you to get out of their way, go back to your corner. As Brother Kyle mentioned, the corner of the field. Go back to your corner. But I just see Ruth. I started to say I see Ruth out there whistling Dixie, but we probably shouldn't whistle Dixie. That's not politically correct anymore. Maybe she's whistling the, the Mayberry tune. Andy Griffith. Yeah. It's gleaning away, Jesse. Just gleaning away. All the other workers are grumbling and complaining and talking about how hard they got to work. Oh, I'm just glad to be with such people. <laughs> she says to some degree you know what their God's good for them but I, I'll never be able to be as blessed as them I just kind of want to come hang out with those kind of people yet as we listen it dawns on us that he's not the God of perfect people Sister Sherry come on their God is the sinner's God a God that's full of grace. These are not perfect people. Yet God loves them. He visits them. He blesses them anyway. What, what a God. I'd rather glean in the corner of this field with that kind of God. <laughs> I want your God to be my God. Not only that, if there is a people who know the blessedness of living this way, then I want that people to be my people. I want to sit beside them. I hope you're hearing your pastor today. You may feel like such a hypocrite. 
when you battled all week and you come to church and you just, in your mind, you say, you ought to just thank God, preacher, that I'm here. I know you feel so, so hypocritical sometimes to even stand up and raise your hands. But there may be a Ruth sitting beside you. <laughs> say, wait a minute, I, I know what he's been through. I know what he's going through right now and look at him. Yeah, don't be ashamed. Don't hesitate. These are the kind of people Ruth wants to sit by. Well, I'm afraid I'll scare them away. Oh, no. Go ahead and run that aisle. Go ahead and get up and leap and dance when they start singing the songs of Zion because Ruth wants to see it. Yeah. Ruth said, no, where you're going, I'm going. Where Your people's going to be my people, and your God's going to be my God. You know what she's saying? She's saying, you know what? I'm not leaving you until you die. Because maybe some of you will rub off on me. Now you know why she's content to be a gleaner. Ruth's choice impressed everybody in Bethlehem. In fact, it got the attention of Boaz, the Redeemer. I don't have time to read it. Ruth 2, verse 11, it says, He says, I've heard the report of you. You a Moabite person, I heard the report about you. What drew Boaz to Ruth was not that she was young and attractive, not that he had the legal right to become her husband. It was the choice Ruth made. Boaz said, I heard about you telling your mother-in-law that I'm not leaving you. Boaz saw the choice Ruth made and it was because of this choice that Boaz began to bless Ruth. He welcomed her into his field. He told her to glean in no other field. Everybody say that, glean in no other field. He said, gleaners, you know, usually gleaners are tolerated. They're not welcome. But he said, no, I don't want you to ever go anywhere else. You're in the right place. If there's a Ruth here today, I want to tell you, you're in the right place. Glean in no other field. To a young person that says, you know what, when I get old enough, I ain't going to church every Sunday. I got something to tell you. Glean in no other field. No, there's so much blessing here. It'll blow your mind what God wants to do. put every other field out of your mind. He said, don't glean in any other field. And then, listen, he gave her permission to drink from the vessels that were provided for the workers. He assures her she will not be treated badly. And then at noon, he invites her to eat with all the other workers. Not only did he invite her to eat with them, he personally passed her parched grain in such quantity that would not just be enough for her, but also for Naomi. And then he, listen, she leaves so blessed. And then he tells his reapers, he said, wait a minute. I want to tell you something, fellas. While you're out there getting all the grain, I want you to let her get out there right with you. Don't keep her in the corner. 
Oh, I hope that hits you like it hit me. Because I remember the day the Lord said, No, you're too good for the corner. I, I know. Wait, I, I got to say it. There's some of you sitting here right now that you hoped nobody else would find out. You hope nobody else would discover all the failures of your life. But I want to tell you the kind of God you're serving is the God that says, oh no, we're not putting you in a corner. No, you're going to get out here right with the rest of us. You're going to be just as blessed. Come on, I've got to tell you, we're not embarrassed of you. Come on, get out of the corner, Ruth. Come on, then. Oh. Don't keep her in a corner. <laughs> Don't keep her in a corner. I've been addressed by some good, honest-hearted, godly people who probably thought they were protecting the house of God, which is not their job. That's the responsibility of one called individual who's admonished to protect and feed the flock. But I've been approached by good, godly, and they love God, no doubt, they're faithful people. But they've slipped up to me and whispered in my ear, are you gonna let that kind of person come to this church? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely I am. Because <laughs> there's a Ruth in the corner that needs to hear. You don't have to stay in the corner anymore. <laughs> Do I have any thankful people? Do I have anybody remembers what it was like to be called out of the corner? Yeah, he tells his reapers, don't keep her in the corner, and then listen to what he says. If the gleaners usually, if they got out of the corner, they were usually run off the property. But he tells them, don't keep her in a corner. You let her come get right beside you. And then he whispers, <laughs> he whispers to the reapers. He says, listen. While you're getting my grain, I want you to let, listen to this, I want you to let some of it fall. <laughs> Purposely drop some of it so she can, so she can bend down and get it. Oh, Man, I don't know, but when I read this story, it's like my biography. I want you to know I'm here today because somebody dropped a little grain along the way. <laughs> somebody said, oh, he wants to use you. Oh, he wants to fill you with his spirit. Oh, he wants you to go to heaven someday. Somebody dropped a little grain along the way. 
And at first I thought, man, look at what everybody's missing. Then I realized that they were the reason I was so blessed. He says, drop some for her. What a man. I think there's a song that has that line in it. What, what a man. What a mighty big man. Ruth found in the fields of Boab, she found them to be fields of grace. She was so blessed. Just a gleaner. She didn't deserve anything. But look at how blessed I am. Here she is, a stranger, gathering so much with so little effort. Ruth, somewhere she realizes it because the Bible says when she realizes it, she, she falls on her knees before Boaz and she says, how have I been given so much? And that's when Boaz says, it's been reported to me what you told your mother-in-law. They told me how you told her, your people will be my people. <laughs> your God will be my God. I'm treating you this way because of the decision you made. So, I've got to this point in the message to say to young people, saints of God, visitors, backsliders, to everyone, God is watching for the decision you're making. You can't be in here half-hearted and be blessed. No, you got to get in here with everything you got. You got to say, you know what? Those are going to be my people, and that's going to be my God. Because when you do that, God's going to start pouring blessings out on you that you don't even deserve. Oh, come on, somebody give the Lord praise right now if you're thankful. Come on, somebody give Him praise right now. Clap your hands under the Lord. Boaz, and I'm closing. Boaz says, Ruth, it was the choice you made while you were still poor. It was the choice you made at a crossroad. And isn't that the way we all find Jesus? We kneel saying, you've been so good to me. And we think he's going to say, yeah, it's been reported to me. And those words kill us. Because we, we think now he's fixing to say all the stuff we wish nobody knew about. But he doesn't say that at all. He said, what's been reported to me is that you said to your mother-in-law, where you go, I'm going. Where your people live, that's where I will live. And your God will be my God. He doesn't remind us of our failures or mistakes, no. He wants us to make the costly choice to serve him. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? We discover his love and encouragement and blessings, handfuls of promises left on purpose all over the place. 
I don't know about you, but that epitomizes.